Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala khairi khalqillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd ayyuhal ikhwah wal akhwat respected brothers and sisters in Islam assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we seek his divine aid we seek his assistance for whom say ever Allah as we are guides and can misguide and whom say ever Allah as we are misguides and can guide I bear witness that that is right to be worshipped except Allah Azawajal alone without any partner and I testify that the Prophet Muhammad is his final Prophet and Messenger. As we proceed and inshallah tonight we begin our new course and class entitled The Beneficial Means of Obtaining a Happy Life based upon the book Al-Wasail Al-Mufida Lil-Hayati Sa'ida by Shaykh Abdurrahman Ibn Nasir Al-Sa'idi and this risala, it is short in uh, its size, but it has a great meaning. And this meaning, which is contained in this risala, if we take towards what the Sheikh has explained in this risala, and we practically apply it to our lives, then inshallah, we will be upon the path of obtaining happiness, inshallah. And so this topic. The topic of Sa'ada, the, t- the topic of happiness and searching for happiness, it is a topic which each and every single person can relate to. It is a topic which everyone has an interest in. It's a topic relevant to each and every single individual. It's relevant to a Muslim. It's relevant to a non-Muslim. It's relevant to a male, it's relevant to a female, it's relevant to the young, and it is relevant to the elderly. In fact, people's entire lives revolves around searching for happiness up until the very last moment in this dunya. People will exert their efforts in acquiring and attaining happiness. So each and every single person in existence, they search for happiness, they search for sa'ada. This is part of our natural way Allah has created us. But many do not know the means how to acquire it. So people, they spend their life's efforts in trying to obtain happiness. And they exert all their efforts in pursuit of happiness, but sometimes they never ever acquire it. And so many people have spoken about this topic. In fact, this topic was spoken about by previous generations and this topic will be spoken about by generations to come and so many people have spoken about this topic meaning how to obtain happiness how to lead a happy life the philosophers have spoken about this in uh, much detail and so all religions as well speak about how to obtain happiness ultimately the only two means by which we can achieve happiness is through At-Taqarrub Allah. That this is the only true way we can obtain happiness in the life of this world which leads to happiness in the year after it is by seeking closeness towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And after this foundation is firmly planted thereafter there are branches which perfect happiness in the life of this world which means there are some practical means which people can apply in their lives to obtain happiness. 
But if this foundation is void, meaning seeking closest towards Allah and making this the foundation of obtaining happiness, then the person can never ever achieve real happiness in the life of this world. May Allah grant us the understanding. Similarly, distancing oneself from grief and anguish and sorrow is a goal of every individual. No person wants to live a life uh, engulfed in depression or a life engulfed in sadness and worry. Rather, this is the goal of every believer and non-believer that they wish to obtain happiness and they wish to avert from their lives depression, grief and sorrow. And the main cause for why people face grief and sorrow, it is being distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-bu'd min Allah. The main reason why people live lives of misery and lives of sadness, it is because they are distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first foundation with regards to obtaining happiness, it is at-taqarrub Allah. It is to seek closeness towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in order to distance oneself from grief and anguish and sorrow, the person must be distant from Allah. This causes the person to have a life that is full of sorrow and grief when the person is distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in essence, this is a lengthy topic, but this small treatise authored by Shaykh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'idi, it is short, but yet powerful in its meaning and method to achieve this great pursuit of happiness. And so the author is a famous scholar of Islam by the name of Shaykh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'idi, rahimahullah ta'ala. And Shaykh Abdul Rahman al-Sa'idi, he hailed from a small city, a Bedouin town, in Saudi Arabia known as Uneza. It's a very, very small city. And actually what gave name to the city was Sheikh Abdurrahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'idi. Because he became well known for his knowledge and people flocked to the city thereafter to sit at his feet and take knowledge from him. And so the reason why he authored this work, as was confirmed by his son, um, one of his students as well, Ibn Uthaymin, and Sheikh Abdullah al-Bassam, Rahimahumullah, may Allah have mercy upon all of them, is that when the Shaykh traveled to Lebanon, to Beirut, to get treatment, um, and of course in that time, when the Shaykh lived, um, Saudi was not as advanced as it is now, and so in order for him to get medical treatment, he had to travel outside of Saudi Arabia. During this travel, his son accompanied him um, on, his, uh, on his travel, and so while the Shaykh was in hospital, his son went to a local bookstore in Beirut and he found a book titled Da'il Qalak Wabda'il Haya, which means Stop Worrying and Start Living. So, this is actually an English work that was written by a very famous author, Dale Carnegie. And he's a famous American author and he wrote lots of books on um, self help and so on and so forth. And so, this book was translated into Arabic. Um, stop worrying and start living and so this book became very very famous during its time in fact it remains famous up until this very day it is a big marji a big source with regard to self-help and it is about 300 pages and in this book the author he mentions the foundation of happiness he mentions 
its means, meaning how to acquire happiness. And he also mentions his experiences and the experiences of others and how they went about achieving happiness. And so it was said regarding this book that there was not another book like this after the Quran which was as widely printed, meaning in the West. That after the Quran, the Quran is the book that is most famous and it is the most printed book in the world. However, they mentioned after the Quran there was no book like this which was printed as widely as this book. So it sold lots of copies in its time. And so while the Sheikh was in hospital getting treatment, the Sheikh he read this book. And upon completing this book, the Sheikh said, Hada Rajulul Munsif. He said that this man, Del Carnegie, he is an intelligent man for what he has written in this book. And so Sheikh Abdurrahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'di, he ordered his son to purchase two copies of this book. And he said one must be placed in the library in Urnaza so the general public could benefit from it. And the other, he gifted to a friend was facing some mental illness at the time in order to be a means of help for him. And so, however, the Sheikh, upon reading this book, he felt that the book was deficient from two angles. As many of these self-help books are deficient because it focuses a lot on the self and it doesn't connect the person to the to their creator. And so it failed to link the reader to the creator and secondly, it failed to link the people to the true religion, Ad-Din al-Haqq, which is Al-Islam. And it was required to be put into perspective through the angle and through the eyes of Iman. And so Shaykh Abdurrahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'idi, he authored this work entitled Al-Wasai al-Mufida lil-Hayat al-Sa'idah, which is translated as the beneficial means to leading a happy life. And so the Shaykh authored this risala, which is approximately 13 pages, very, very close to his demise, approximately two years before his death. And so the Shaykh, may Allah have mercy upon him, was a master of many of the Islamic sciences. For those who know, they know. He's a famous Mufassir, he's a famous Usuli, and he is a master in Islamic legal theory, Usul al-Fiqh. And so he's really a great thinker. And it was said that he either began um, his explanation of the entire Quran, his tafsir, at the age of 33, or he completed it at the age of 33. So this tells us a lot about the scholarship and the intelligence of Sheikh Abdurrahman. And so the conclusions he reached at this point in his life when he wrote, when he wrote this work about life and about happiness was based upon his life experience which he penned in this work. So we can say that the conclusions which he came to at this point of his life we can say it is definite conclusions because inshallah he was a pious person who lived by his knowledge and it was said um, some scholars mentioned about Sheikh Abdul Rahman al-Sa'idi it is as if he is a person who was exited from Jannah and he lived his life as if he knew he was going to return to Jannah so he was a very very well-liked man and he had a very easy going nature and so uh, the conclusions which he reaches at this point of his life, it can be seen as decisive. And so this treatise, it should be revisited often. Each person goes through an experience uh, which would make his understanding different. And so the scholars advise us to revisit this treatise often.
because when a person goes through an experience, his interpretation of this will be different. Similarly, as a person ages and at a different age, if he did this work, it will create a different perspective for him. And so in the introduction of this Risala, the Shaykh begins by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending salutations upon the Prophet Muhammad And his opening words in this Risala is as follows. He says that there is no doubt that the bliss of the heart, its tranquility and happiness and the absence of grief and worry is the goal of each and every single individual. He says once again that there is no doubt that the bliss of the heart, its tranquility and happiness and the absence of grief and worry is the goal of each and every single individual. And so this is true. This is the goal of believers and this is the goal of non-believers. This is the goal of males and females, young and old. In fact, you can ask some young people, ask them why do you pursue an education? They'll tell you it's because I'd like to get good, good grades so I can apply at university and one day have a good career and lead a happy life. So this is something that it is relative to young and old. And so every religion searches for this as well. The outcome of worshipping your deity of choice is that the outcome of this must be happiness. However, every religion differs as to how they go about obtaining this. For example, Sheikh Muhammad Ibrahim Alhamdi mentions that in Buddhism, um, they preach destruction of the desire. And why do they preach this? They preach this because they see desire and pursuing worldly goals to be an obstacle in obtaining happiness. And so for this reason, they preach destruction of the desire. That people must leave off worldly pleasures and pursuits as this is an obstacle in the path of obtaining happiness. And so this is the type of extremity which Islam does not advocate. Islam does not advocate monasticism to cut yourself off from the dunya and to have no alaqa, to know, have no relationship with the dunya. This is a form of extremism. It's a form of negligence, in fact. On the flip side of this, we have people um, in modern society, secularists, who do not believe in a higher power or a deity. And they say, fulfill every desire you want. And there is no limit to your desires. Because fulfillment of your desires, it leads to happiness. So they advocate promiscuous relationships before marriage, indulge in drugs, and give your body each and every single pleasure it wants, because this leads to happiness. And this is another form of extremism. So Islam is middle balanced between the extremism of the Buddhists and between the extremism of the secularists. And so Islam takes a, a balanced approach towards desires and it gives you the avenue to fulfill your desires if that avenue is halal. So you'd like to, to please yourself physically, Islam says if you get married you can enjoy your spouse and this is totally halal and permissible. So Islam takes a middle balanced approach to all affairs. 
And so obtaining happiness and warding off grief and sorrow, it is the goal of every individual. In fact, Ibn Hazm in his book Al-Akhlaq wa Sir, he affirms this idea as well. And he says that everything a person does is for the reason of happiness and to be distant from despair and grief. So the ba'ith, the motive behind why we do what we do, it is to obtain happiness. Why do you want a career? So you can provide for yourself. And if you get married, you can provide for your family. And that would lead to happiness. Why do you want to get married? Because we think, and inshallah this is obtained, that through, through marriage, happiness is obtained. Why do we buy? Why do we sell? Why do we trade? The reason behind this is, it is the pursuit of happiness. So Ibn Hazm says, that everything a person does, it is for the reason of obtaining happiness and to be distant from despair and grief. And so Shaykh Abdul Rahman then mentions, and there are means to achieve this. That there are means to achieve happiness. And this brings us to the means of obtaining happiness. That there are various means of obtaining happiness. From amongst them are some which are religious means. And of course, this is the greatest way of obtaining happiness. That is, through the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person that does not have Allah azza wa jal, and does not have the wasail, the means of religion in his life, he can never ever obtain true happiness. The second way a person can obtain happiness, it is through natural means. Natural means, meaning, the person's natural makeup is that he is happy. And thirdly, it is physical means, meaning means which you can apply in your life, and then inshallah through these means, you can obtain happiness. So let's look at the first means. The first means is asbabu diniyah. It is spiritual means, or religious means. And this is the ultimate way of achieving happiness. This is the ultimate way of achieving happiness. And this is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah. By way of worshipping Allah and singling Allah Azza out in worship through Tawheed and fulfilling all of those obligations which you need to fulfill on your part, abstaining from sins and doing good deeds, this gives rise to a happy life. And this is the foundation of all happiness. The second means of obtaining happiness, it is Asbabu Tabi'iyah. It is inherent or natural means. And this is the way one has been created. The intrinsic way one has been created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, to be easygoing. A person we find, mashaAllah, is a person that doesn't complain, you know. He doesn't become sad easily. He's always cheerful. This is the natural, intrinsic way Allah Azza wa Jal has created this person. And I'm sure we can all relate to this. We know people like this. Um, and this natural means can also be a result of one's natural environment. So, for example, a person was raised in a home where his parents were, were easygoing, they were always accommodating, they were always welcoming, they were always friendly. That naturally will rub off on the child. And so the child's natural environment plays a role in shaping the person he becomes. Um, another example of this is subcultures. 
in some cultures people are naturally happy people are naturally happy um, Sheikh Ibrahim Alhamd he mentions that people in Tibet it's the norm for them to always be cheerful and happy and in fact he says that is that you will find them not smiling meaning that they always they always smile and they're always cheerful and happy um, and when they grieve due to loss of life and loss of loved ones they only grieve for one day and of course Islam gives us the avenue to express our grief and sorrow and that should take place over three days so they only grieve for one day and then they get back to back to the norm so um, this is how a person's natural environment and culture can affect the person as well in leading him towards being a happy person however others um, get affected by the smallest problem which they encounter and so the person he becomes annoyed at this and the person he becomes angry and this anger then turns into a reaction he, he reacts so for example um, your wife brings you tea may Allah protect us and as she brings the tea to you she spilled it what happens do you go off do you get angry so this is an example of the flip side of this that a person his natural innate nature is to be a difficult person so this is the second means of obtaining happiness and this is asbabu tabi'idya the third um, means of obtaining happiness uh, which Sheikh Abdurrahman ibn Nasir al-Su'idi he brings he says it is asbabu amaliya asbabu al-amaliya and this is practical means so for example advices which a person comes across from elders or from his father or from his mother or books on um, self-mastery and self-help and many people turn towards these means to obtain happiness and they make this the first recourse right and the focus we mentioned of these books on self-mastery um, it focuses a lot on the individual it doesn't link the person to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so applying this in their lives the people then achieve happiness by way of these practical means and so these are the three ways a person goes about obtaining happiness and of course the foundation of this is through religious means that this is the ultimate way a person achieves a sa'ada he achieves happiness chapter Rahman then goes on to mention and he says all of these means is not gathered except in the believer and this is an important point that the believer he has access to all of these means he has access to religious means he has access to natural means and he has access to practical means so naturally the believers should be more happy the believers should be more happy um, and this happiness um, they obtain it is through the religion he then mentions and he says as for other than them meaning the non-believers on the other hand despite the fact that the earnest endeavors of their philosophers is to lead them to these means of happiness even if they achieve them in certain aspects they miss the way to several other means of happiness and so they miss out on happiness which is eternal and happiness which is more ever lasting happiness which leads them to the year after 
And this is because the happiness which they obtain, it is not real. It is wahmiya. It is, it is fake happiness. Or it is deficient happiness. Or it is happiness just for a fleeting moment. And then they return back to the state of sorrow and grief. And so the non-believers, even if they gain some form of it, they gain some form of happiness, but they lose out on real happiness, and that is because happiness in dunya, as Islam puts it into perspective, happiness in dunya, it is connected to happiness in the year after. Allah says, فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدًا فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَايَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ Allah mentions and he says that whenever comes to you from me guidance and you take towards this guidance and you follow this guidance Allah mentions that there will be no fear upon those who take towards the guidance of Allah nor will they grieve and so this is the benefit of following the guidance which is contained in the book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad That if you cling towards these two sources naturally, it should make you a happier person in dunya, but this happiness leads you to true happiness, which is in the year after. As Allah also mentions, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِذُلْمٍ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ Allah said that those who believe and they do not corrupt their belief with dhulm. And dhulm in the context of this verse, it refers to shirk billah. They do not corrupt their belief with false beliefs, with fallacies, with innovations. And they do not corrupt their belief with the greatest of all crimes, which is shirk. Allah said, These people, they will have safety. In the dunya. They will have safety in the barzakh, in the existence between the dunya and the akhirah, and they will have safety in the akhirah. So according a person's belief, and according to the way a person protects his belief from fallacies and innovations and false beliefs, the person will be safe in the dunya, in the barzakh, and in the akhirah, which means the person will obtain happiness at all three stages of his life. Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions that some people are successful in following these ways and therefore they live a good and pure life and they enjoy their life. So some people, they take towards the religious means, the natural innate nature is also easygoing and they take towards the practical means found within the religion and outside of the religion. He says, that these people, they live a good and pure life and they enjoy their life. They live a good life, a pure life and they enjoy their life. And this is the believers. And the believers are the most happy because they recognize Allah. They recognize Allah and through the worship of Allah Azzawajal, do their hearts find contentment and do their hearts find relief from difficulty. And they give Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his due right. And Allah Azawajal's due right over us is that after we recognize him as he ought to be recognized, his right over us is that we worship him. And when we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we feel 
more fulfilled and we feel more happy. Because this is the sunnah of Allah. This is the way of Allah. That Allah Azza wa Jalla has only kept true contentment and true happiness for those people who submit to Him and they worship Him as He ought to be worshipped. The verse we quoted previously where Allah mentions فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدًا فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَايَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ So whenever guidance comes to you from me through my prophets, Allah says through my prophets guidance comes towards you and you take towards that guidance Allah says there will be no fear upon those and nor will they grieve in dunya and in akhirah and so the believers they know the religion and they search for true happiness by way of the religion and whosoever searches for happiness then this person will find it bi'idhnillah subhanahu wa ta'ala in fact as believers we are ordered to be happy and we are commanded not to be sad we are ordered to be happy and we are commanded by Allah azza wa jal not to be sad do not grieve Allah azza wa jal is with us so we are commanded not to be sad right and we are ordered to be happy and some scholars mention that there is not a single verse in the book of Allah that orders the believers to grieve and to be sad as for the non-believers in essence they lead miserable lives as for the non-believers they lead miserable lives even if on the apparent they seem happy and here the Sheikh mentions uh, that you should not become deceived by the apparent appearance as in this time Lots of importance is given to the appearance, to the apparent appearance. So for example, you go on Instagram and you see people naturally, they look happy and they're smiling and it seems like their life is very rosy. But how many times did they take a picture in order to get a perfect picture, right? A perfect picture to relate to the outside world that they are happy. When really internally, they're actually miserable and unhappy. So he says, do not become deceived by the apparent. Do not become deceived by the appearance. Because in this time, we give lots of importance to our physical makeups. We give, in fact, we give excessive importance to our physical makeups. And the hadith of the Prophet Muhammad says, Allah Azza wa Jal does not look at your physical shapes or your forms, but Allah Azza wa Jal, He looks at your heart and He looks at your deeds. Because this is what truly counts. And this is where happiness truly resides. Happiness truly resides in qalb. True happiness is in the heart. And so if these people who have reached a certain level, for example, of fame and fortune, if they were truly happy, then why do many of them end up committing suicide? That's a point we need to reflect over. So the, um, the countries which are the most advanced materially it has the highest suicide rate the countries which are the most advanced materially it has the highest suicide rate and this is a fact famous people commit suicide even though on the apparent they seem happy so they've reached a certain level of fame a certain level of fortune 
and a certain level of acceptance amongst people, but yet they commit suicide. Another famous author, he wrote a book on this, and the book, uh, the, the title of the book is "Limada Intaharu Haula." Why did they commit suicide? Meaning, many famous people, musicians, uh, actors, and the like, they end up in despair and grief and sorrow, and they end up in suicide. Why? Even though upon their parent they seemed happy, but internally they were miserable and their lives were empty. And we're not saying that this doesn't exist amongst the Muslim Ummah and in Muslim countries. A suicide takes place in Muslim countries as well, but it is not as rife as in the Western world. And this point we really need to reflect over. In a time where we give excessive importance to material gains and material things, we really ask ourselves, what void are we trying to, to fill? This void that we are trying to fill can only be filled by loving Allah, submitting to Him, and worshipping Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the second category of people. The first category are the believers, and they are the most happy. The second category are the non-believers, and they live a miserable life in dunya and akhirah. Nas'allahu al-afiyah wa salam, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal for protection, Amin. The third category are those who are in between these two. Third category are those people who are in between these two categories. So they experience happiness at some time and then they experience sadness. According to what they take towards of the means of obtaining happiness, this increases or it decreases. Happiness either increases or it decreases. So Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir, he then mentions that in this Risala, he will mention how to achieve this lofty goal, which is the quest of each and every single individual. And he will mention whatever means comes to his mind while he is writing this Risala. So this shows us that Shaykh Abdul Rahman he is an Alim Rabbani. He is a, a scholar who has the interest of the general people at heart. And this is how a student of knowledge and a true alim should be, is that he should have the people's interest at heart, that he should have the worldly interest at heart, and more so, the year after he should have at heart. He should be concerned about the dunyawi affairs and the affairs in the year after. And so he mentions in his first chapter, Chapter 1, Iman and Righteous Deeds. He says that the greatest and fundamental means of achieving a good life is Iman and good deeds. That this is the true foundation of achieving a happy life. It is through Iman and good deeds. About this Allah says in Surah Al-Nahl verse 97, He says, Man Allah says that whosoever works righteousness, whosoever does good deeds, right? Whether it be male or female, with the condition that they are believers in Allah. Allah says, Allah says, Verily to him, we will give a life that is good 
and a life that is pure. And we will bestow on such the reward according to the best of the actions. Allah says that He will compensate you for the deed you do in the dunya greater than the actual deed which you do in the year after. And so this is a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a great foundation with regard to achieving happiness. That through Iman and through righteous deeds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you a happy life in the life of this world. And so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He promises us and He informs us that whomsoever has true belief. And true belief, it is belief which firstly, it is a statement upon the tongue. So you utter this, the statement on your tongue. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. You firmly believe the statement within your heart. So just uttering it, it is not sufficient. Secondly, you believe in the statement firmly within your heart. Thirdly, amal bil jawarih. You act according to what the statement necessitates upon you. You don't just have a name, Fatima. You don't just have a name, Muhammad, and it ends there. And you say, La ilaha illallah. Rather, what you utter, it is manifested on your limbs. Right? It is evident. This is a sign of your iman. That you do deeds. That you pray. That you fast. That you give your zakat. That you give charity. Um, Allah says about these people, He will give them a happy life. But those people who have true iman. Those people who have iman which leads them towards righteous deeds. deeds. Because through iman, it leads towards action. Islam is not a religion of lip service. Islam is a religion of action. And so he says that Allah Azza wa Jal will give these people who do deeds, He will give them a pure life in this world and a good reward in the life, this life and the year after. And so Shaykh Abdul Rahman then says, he says, and the reason behind this is very clear. The reason why the believers obtain a happy life, it is very clear. And he says, this is because true believers in Allah, those who have sound belief, and the key word here, it is sound belief, not a belief that is corrupted by way of sins and a belief which is corrupted by way of innovations and false beliefs regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The person has sound belief. And this sound belief gives rise to righteous deeds. Because this is the true thamara, the true fruit of true belief. Is that true belief gives rise to deeds. So the person does righteous deeds as well. The person does righteous deeds. And by way of these deeds, the person... He mends his heart. These deeds that we do, such as salah and zakat and fasting, it must have effect on your soul. And that is, it must rectify the heart. So these deeds that a person does, it rectifies the heart and it corrects his akhlaq, right? It corrects his human behavior and makes good both this world and the year after. He says about these people who act in this manner, such a people have the basic elements that guide them in dealing with situations of happiness and joy and situations of anxiety, sorrow and grief. And this is key. 
the fact that we search for happiness does not mean that we will not grieve and we will not have sorrow and we cannot get depressed. This is a reality for many. But rather, he says that these people have the basic elements that guide them in dealing with situations. So when the person is happy, his Islam governs his happiness. He doesn't become happy because of haram things. Likewise, when the person goes through trials and tribulations, such as grief, anxiety and depression and sorrow, Islam governs that grief, that sorrow and that depression and it puts it into correct perspective for him. For example, death. The Prophet Muhammad said that when he encountered the loss of a, a person close to him, he said that the eye tears and the heart grieves, but we will not say that except which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Islam governs his sorrow, Islam governs his grief, and Islam governs his depression and his anxiety. So let's look at how the people deal, the believers deal with situations of happiness. Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions they gratefully accept situations of happiness and joy and are thankful because whenever we are bestowed a bounty, then that bounty necessitates that we give shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we give gratitude to Allah azawajal. And true gratitude, when expressed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is not just upon the tongue by saying alhamdulillah, but firstly, in order for gratitude to be true shukr, true gratitude, firstly we must affirm that this bounty and this ni'mah that we have, it is from Allah. And it is not by way of my own striving and my own exertion. Because who is the one who gave you tawfiq towards that deed? Who is the one who granted you the ability to acquire that specific thing which makes you happy? It is Allah. So firstly, a person must affirm this within his heart. That this bounty which he has, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, he must manifest this bounty on his limbs. So the person is given wealth. The person, mashallah, Allah is beautiful and does beautiful things. He dresses in a beautiful manner. But it doesn't make him think he's better than others, right? So he manifests this on his limbs. For example, he increases in his gratitude towards Allah by doing lots of su sujood and lots of du'a, and so on and so forth. So he manifests it on his limbs. And then thirdly, the person must praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give gratitude by way of his tongue. As for the bounties of your Rabb, then speak about it. So say Alhamdulillah, and speak about the favors of Allah Azza upon you. And so this is the way the, the way two believers deal with happiness and joy, that they are thankful for those bounties which Allah Azawajal has bestowed upon them. Secondly, they use these bounties in that which is beneficial. So if Allah Azawajal granted you wealth, you don't use that wealth to acquire more wealth via a haram means. You don't, for example, invest in things you cannot invest in. You don't gamble your money, you don't squander your money. You spend it on those who you need to spend it and you give increase in charity, for example. So this is how the believers deal with bounties. And they use it uh, in regard to that which is beneficial. And when they use them in this manner, they experience additional joy. So a person, Allah conferred wealth upon him. And then he uses his wealth to feed the poor. 
right? To, to, to care for the destitute and to shelter those who have no shelter. When they do this, what happens? Internally, they feel additional joy. And this is like a, a reward for the good deeds that they engage in. And Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions, Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions, and they desire that the blessings of these things and hope that they will remain with them. So they are desirous of these blessings that Allah Azawajal bestowed upon them and they hope that these blessings remain with them. They hope that these blessings remain with them. And also they yearn for the good reward of those who are thankful to Allah. Because Allah says, La in shakartum la azidannakum. Allah says that if you give gratitude and thanks to me, I will increase you. And so they yearn for the good reward of those who are thankful to Allah. That if you show gratitude to Allah for his bounties, he's going to give you longevity with regards to those bounties which you experience. And this feeling and experience brings with it so much good and blessings far greater than the joy that is the primary cause of it. And so he's telling us that even though Allah Azawajal grants you bounties which make you happy, for example, the bounty of children or the bounty of wealth. However, when you give gratitude to Allah Azawajal for these bounties and you spend these bounties in the obedience of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, the joy which comes from that is far greater than the joy that is the primary cause of it. And so this shows us that the main foundation as to how we go about achieving a happy life, it is through the foundation of religion and it is through the foundation of Ad-Din al-Haq, the true religion, meaning Ad-Din al-Islam. On the flip side of this, on the other hand, Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions, in a harmful and unpleasant situations, situations of grief and sorrow, they deal with them by resisting what is resistible. So a person, he goes through grief and anguish, and he knows that embarking upon a certain path is going to make him grieve and is going to give him sorrow. So what does he do? He abstains from pursuing that particular path. So um, they deal with them by resisting what is resistible. So whatever you know will give you grief or that which will make you sad, you abstain from it. For example, a person's company, you know whenever you're in this person's company, you leave with a bitter taste in your mouth. So what do you do? You resist that person's company, you abstain from that person's company. And he mentions enlightening what could be lightened. And they preserve with a beautiful contentment over what they have no power to resist. And this is referring to the divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That that which we cannot resist and that which comes about due to the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they persevere with a beautiful contentment over what they have no power to resist. So that means that they meet the divine pre-decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when they are struck with a calamity, they deal with that calamity with patience. 
and they deal with that calamity from the perspective of Iman that they know that this calamity that they are being struck with it is either an expiation for them in the dunya of their sins and it is an exaltation and a rif'ah for them in the year after and so they deal with calamities which come their way they deal with it with patience and perseverance by doing this they achieve the benefits of earnest struggle and gather experience and inner strength right after difficulty comes ease you face with a calamity in your life the calamity which comes thereafter it is easier to deal with because you know that after difficulty comes ease and so um, they achieve this through the benefits of the earnest struggle and they gather experience and inner strength and earn the reward of patience and perseverance and the greatness of which belittles in comparison to the distasteful things that befell them and as a result they end up having um, in a place of unpleasant things joy and good hope and sincere desire in the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his reward about this the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him he beautifully expressed the situation in a Sahih Hadith found in Sahih Muslim and it's a very very important Hadith which can also be seen as a foundation of happiness the Prophet Muhammad says amazing is the affair of the believer amazing is the affair of the believer and he says how wonderful is the affair of the believer and he says all of his affairs are good all of the believers affairs which he encounters they are good when he is touched by ease and affluence and he is thankful so a person in so a person he experiences some form of ease and some form of bounty and some form of affluence from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he shows gratitude keyword he shows gratitude he shows shukr for this bounty then that is good for him and when he is touched by a suffering he is patient when he when he meets a calamity or some form of difficulty he is patient and the prophet says and that is also good for him so the believer only the believer he is good is good and the bad things he encounters it is also good for him and the prophet ends by saying and this is only for the believer this is only for the true believer because the true believer looks at life through the lens of iman that when he is given a gratitude when he is given a bounty he recognizes this bounty and he attaches this bounty to the one who gave it to him and so he gives thanks and gratitude for that bounty he doesn't get ahead of himself he doesn't get haughty and arrogant because he has these material means and material blessings on the flip side if he encounters some form of difficulty a calamity loss of life sorrow grief depression anxiety then that is also good for him when he is patient upon the calamity and the prophet muhammad also mentioned that this is only for the true believer this is only 
for the true believer. And so Shaykh Abdul Rahman mentions and he says, the Prophet, peace be upon him, informs us in this hadith that the good of the believer and whatever his gains and the excellent benefits of this and of his deeds, it is multiplied several fold in all the things that before him be they pleasant or unpleasant. And this is why you see two people afflicted by the same ups and downs of life situations and they differ so widely in the way they encounter them. And this is in accordance with the level of Iman and righteous deeds. And so to end off, what Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions in this part of his treatise, he mentioned that a person will face happiness and he will face difficulty. But according to the level of a person's Iman and according to the level of a person's righteous deeds, the person will encounter the ease or the difficulty accordingly and his Iman will dictate to him how he deals with this situation. So for this week, inshallah, we'll end up on this point and next week, inshallah, we'll pick up from where we left off by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.